Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. On the path, which is the name for our personal witchcraft practices, we have spent a great deal of time discussing what we believe and why. These conversations led to the writing of a book full of information about our tradition. We call these beliefs metaphysical kernels of thought because they are the start of much, much bigger ideas. We thought we would share some of these with you. So, today's metaphysical kernel of thought is body, mind, and spirit. While many spiritual practices divide a person into having a body and a soul, we on the path actually work with three components, body, mind, and spirit. We find that these three life areas or forces need to be in as much balance as possible for effective growth, and that what affects one affects the other two, although not always in the same proportions. Body is the physical container for both the mind and the soul. Because it exists in space and time, it is grounded in existence in the mundane world. This is where we are born, live, and eventually die. And time moves in a linear direction from past to present to future. The mundane is where we experience the changes that we generate through magic and spiritual work. The spirit is the soul of a person or your true self, who we really are, and its roots are in the magical world. The magical world exists outside of space and time, so time can be linear or circular or spiral in and out of itself. The magical is where we create the changes. While as witches and hedgewalkers, we can learn to move back and forth between the worlds effectively and the balance between, we believe it is the mind that is the bridge or interpreter between the two of us. The mind is composed of our thoughts and emotions, which are part of both worlds, often simultaneously. We experience emotions because of our needs and desires, whether they are helpful or harmful to us, and are the source of our will when working magic. Our thoughts are ideas and the start of the process of creation, and also how we form intent. In essence, in the magical world, the mind takes our needs and desires along with our ideas and starts the process of creation. It then takes our intent and will in the mundane to manifest what was started in the magical it also works taking will and intent in the mundane to manifest new ideas and aspirations in the magical. The concept of balance with these three components is that they can then work in harmony together, creating a cycle of growth and change for the witch and seeker. We become more effective at recognizing our true needs and desires and better able to focus our will and intent for magical creations. By doing so, our physical body works towards optimal health and our spirit continues to grow. Moving on from last, our last episode where we discussed the idea of balance and it being an ideal, today we get to talk about what we call our sacred three of body, mind, and spirit. And you'll have to bear with the young crone over here in the corner. I am recovering from pneumonia, so my voice has a tendency to not sound like it usually does even in my own ears. So if you'll bear with us, we'll sit here and talk for a while. 
Good to see you uh, back on your feet, lady. Very much so. Mostly. Anyway, with a lot of naps, which I am not used to. You know, my mother, when I was four, used to say, you don't nap. And I, my life has not changed. <laughs> However, we kind of divided things into the sacred three. Everything else we do in our practice is pretty much fours, when you think about it. We have the four physical elements, the four directions, and so on and so forth. But this is a three. So my way of seeing the four in that is is makes sense. I, I mean, what we're talking about, what we're talking about is a trinity or a triangle. And my thing is like a star up above it, because that universal spark, there's a line from that to my imminent internal spark, mm-hmm. which, which is where my spirit lives. I so, agree. yeah, I, I see here where I, in the physical sense, am. I have body, mind, and spirit. But that fourth is that ray that connects me. Oh, I agree. In that sense, it is. You know, but when you think about more than anything working magic <clears throat> and how the three tied together. Right, right. I think where we started with this, because when you think about it, your body is definitely rooted in the physical mundane. I can't make my body suddenly become pure magic in that sense. It is right. that physical piece of me that eats, sleeps, experiences. And has, li- and has limits, absolutely. And experiences time as linear, past, present, future. That's how a physical body works. And more than anything else, it's almost a container for your spirit on the mundane side of things. Yeah, okay. I, I was just trying trying to think, yeah, my spirit lives in my body any time that I am awake and mundane and in corporal form. Yes. Yeah. And then your mind is kind of the mediator, for want of a better word, between, because your spirit is also made of the magical. It's Certainly. the magical piece of you. If you're on the magical side of things, we've talked about there's the world of the magical and the world of the mundane. If you're in the world of the magical, your focus for anything else, what allows you to be there and do magic is your spirit. Sure, that's the, the identity or the aspect of you that is performing the magic. Exactly, and it's and your spirit... It can experience time out of time. It doesn't get stuck in past, present, future. It can see time as circular. It can bend or come back around on itself. It can spiral. It can do backflips. That's so so calming a thought for me, too, to know that where Susie is now, there isn't time, so she is forever next to me. Exactly. And your spirit, I'm the magical. If you're in magical space for yourself, it's easier to connect with people who are gone before us. I'm, I'm sorry for the odd luck. My, my, nope. okay. my late wife's cat just jumped up across about three dressers. So sorry well, about that. You know, I can see the child. I, I think she had some, something they had to say in the conversation. So hi, I'm, Susie. I'm and you know, I can see a giant shadow of the cat behind you. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, in the picture. <laughs> so it's cool. But the idea, Hi, honey. The idea with the third side of the mind kind of being the bridge, because we have that physical container, we have that magical piece, and they have to get along, and they don't always... 
same language. Sure. I mean, you you can look at this triangle from from any any combination or any one of them being the top and it works mm-hmm. or all three of them being balanced, which is a, a wonderful ideal that we would strive to. Um, I think coming from the, the more shamanist background or the more um, native North American background, my, my spirit is sort of the me. My body is where I do physical things to affect and share the world around me. And my mind is there to problem solve and think and pattern match. I mean, it's what it's evolved to do. It's an amazing decision-making tool, but not at every moment in my life am I needing a decision-making tool. So for me, kind of closing down that, that part of the mind and recognizing that spirit is where the eye of Dave lives the mind and the body are tools of that spirit, so to speak. So it's interesting that you can put any one of the three. Yes, the body is the container for the mind and the spirit, and the mind is the mediator or the interpreter between the body and the spirit. So it's it's cool to see how balanced that triangle can get. I agree. You know, and what you do with one piece affects the other too when you think about it if you think in terms of the mind as like you said that great decision maker it is also where we acquire knowledge sure sure um i I, I just to step back for a second you know you you use the word affect and i wanted to touch on that because something that i've learned um over the last year or so you know going through my own journey is that our mind can have a thought. Whether it's a good thought or a bad thought isn't really important. What's important is recognizing that the moment I have had that thought, my amygdala is going to be sending some chemistry and some signals going around. So I'm going to get a shot of adrenaline or serotonin or whatever, And recognizing from the spirit point of view that, okay, my mind just had that thought and that's okay. And my body, I need to keep in mind, is going to be reacting in a different way during that wash of chemistry and accept the fact that the body isn't necessarily rational right now. It's driven by a flood of pheromones that the mind just triggered. And so being able to step out of those and say, okay, I just thought about something that, that's hurtful to me. I'm going to naturally be a little re- defensive and whatnot for a time in in both my body and my mind, understanding that from my spirit, my spirit is still just okay. Exactly. And so I've learned to anchor back to my spirit where I spent too many years believing that I was that Tasmanian devil that I have in my brain of a problem solver. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm learning that sometimes I don't have any problems to solve and that's a good time to not really use my mind. Understood completely. You know, and like I said, the idea, like you said, one affects the other. It can also be on a positive level. If I acquire new knowledge, like you said, you recognizing that 
because I think X, my body reacts Y in way Y. And having that knowledge now, I can go back to my spirit and say, okay, they're going to you know, finish their reaction, and I'm going to sit over here and be calm. Yeah, I'm going to breathe for a minute and, and let that Mm-hmm. Let the ripples of that pond settle for a moment before I move back forward again in my mundane. Exactly. And that's the whole idea. And the idea is if we are making magic or wanting to make magic and affect change, you start the change on the magical because that's where you, you begin that process of creation. And it has to manifest in the mundane side of the world and where you live and work and experience life on life's terms, as it were. Otherwise, what's the point? It's it's funny that you say that, though, because I, I didn't realize until you just described it that way how important the body is in a ritual or when I'm in sacred space. I mean, of course, my spirit is strongly feeling that connection if I'm in that good space. And my mind is filled with whatever intention and focus, but the smell of the charcoal is doing things to my mind through my body. And the smoke and the incense and the light from the candle and all of these things are triggering senses in my physical body, which are then carried over into my mind. And that's getting into that space is why for a long time I struggled getting out of ritual because I couldn't get back to the mundane space. I couldn't ground well and I couldn't reestablish that. Susie used to call it half astral because I couldn't quite get back to the container aspect of the body, so to speak. No, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I I understand half astral. That's why... Susie and I are withdressed at the end of ritual. We have housel. We physically eat and drink something, which is the most basic of human mundane processes. We would well, and, talk about ritual and laugh and carry on like idiots, but it's a way of dispersing that excess energy, too. It's, it's a neat way to reflect on this, but when you and Susie would be doing ritual downstairs and I would often be doing my own little bit little ritual, you know, kind of solitary during the, during the tail end, especially when I timed them together during the tail end of my own rituals with you two out in the backyard, my stomach would start to growl (laughs) because I was in ritual space and I'm expecting some of Elizabeth's baked goods when this stuff is over. So like this, this, for today's little ritual that I'm going to be doing later on, I, I brought a Twinkie. <laughs> it works. The idea, though, is, is it's representational of eating something. And sure, sure. Something. And your body gets used to and, and conditioned to, and, and that, again, just reinforces the link between the body and mind. And the spirit. Because if you're over there in magic and you're all caught up in the spiritual side of things, as you put it, and you're creating magic for change, it has to manifest somewhere, which is why I say it, manif- it needs to manifest in the mundane where, for, for lack of a better word, we're living our mundane lives. It would be wonderful if we could spend 24-7 
in ritual and doing magic and all of that wonderful special parts that are part of the practice. But that's not realistic. We have lives. We have to work. I have, I don't know about you, but I have people to take places. We have to eat, you know, so that if we're expecting change to make our lives better, it is truly our mundane lives that are most affected by any of our magical changes. So the mind also carries that magical, okay, we started this process. The mind carries it with us out of ritual space back to the mundane where it can manifest. Right. And then we can notice it. Exactly. Um, There's your green and purple reference. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's, Uh, Something I wanted to point out about what you were talking about, too. You made a very good point about, you know, we have to eat. We have to take care of fueling and and self-care and those kind of things to ensure that our body continues. But it's just as important to feed and care for the mind and feed and care for the spirit. And for me, for me, feed and care of the mind usually is in the form of reading or learning. And for me... Downtime for me for spirit is meditation. Um, and to a certain extent when I'm on a bike. Mm-hmm. I think we all have those little personal spiritual practices that are things that we do regularly sure. that allow us to, as you say, feed the spirit. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I another thing that I just happen to think of is is I always when I sit behind the drum set for a little while down there, I always feel that my spirit is filled while my body is, you know, sweated and worked out, it's, that's always a good feeling after a ride or after a, a good drum session. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it. Your brain is releasing endorphins. When Absolutely. The negative chemistry, the positive chemistry also works. Yep. You know, and sometimes that's what we need to focus on as well, is as physical mundane people, it is very easy to cut up in the negative stuff that we can fuel ourselves with. And that's where the mind, sure. wait a minute, it also does this. And your spirit can chime in, wait a minute, I'm over here, and things are okay. And I think they, they regularly interact with each other. You were talking about um, how each part affects the other, and I think it does. Sometimes it's in greater proportions. Like if I've just done a really great ritual, my body is often a lot more relaxed. It's less stressed. Once I get rid of all that excess energy and ground, then I am more relaxed. I sleep better for the next several days. I'm calmer emotionally. I see more synchronicities. I see magic everywhere. (laughs) Right. So that I don't need, I would like to say that I could have that spiritual experience all the time, but that doesn't work. Because if I did, I'd be fully astral instead of half astral, as you put it. And then my body would get neglected. My mind would get neglected. I'd be really out of balance. I can kind of see to a certain extent, though, that there's there's a universal thing there where, I mean, using like, like the Dalai Lama as an example, where an easy way to describe this context for him would be that the entire planet is sacred space to him, and he walks around always in ritual. But I know that there's also a powerful mind component in wanting to wish as many people as you possibly can well. So 
Um, just kind of an interesting observation about being constantly spirit and only having the body and mind as accessories and walking around in spirit can happen, but it's, it's very, very profound. Yes, but he also eats, he also sleeps. This must, is true. He also must take a shower at some point, otherwise people will not want to be near him when he wishes them well. You know, so he does take care of things on the mundane. It's just we don't necessarily see that because we see the spiritual side of him all the time. Because when you think about it, that's the side that's the public. Right. So I think all of us, regardless of how sacred we think we are or aren't at any given moment, are all three parts of us are equally important more than anything else. That's true, yep. And I think that's the big piece is learning how to combine them and feed each of them so that nobody feels neglected. You know, there's going to be times when you experience, like, I don't know, you find a magical topic and you start learning about it and you read 18 books in two months about a particular aspect of magic. So that's where your brain is and that's where all your focus is. And you're not eating as well or paying attention to work because you're buried in these books. And your spirit is just trying to keep up with where your brain is going at the moment. And you have to, you know, rebalance eventually. I think that's why it's been so important for me to have a real daily um, meditation habit or or uh, practice started because I can't get too far out of the envelope before I give my my spirit a chance to just breathe for a few minutes and you know you are a spiritual being having a a mundane and physical experience and and get myself back to that place of calmness um it's just been phenomenal how much of a difference it's been able to make even in little 30 second you know mini mantra kind of meditations mm -hmm. i've learned how to really quickly see which one of the three is out of whack if nothing else and for me once i've identified who's hungry then like you say you know um get things back into balance Mm -hmm. And it's, it's never perfect because balance is such an ideal, like we talked about last time, you know. Well, yeah. We do the best we can. And the big piece, I think, is we learn not to beat ourselves up over it quite so much. Right. You know, I think that's a big feature of it, too, is being aware that, yes, we have these three pieces of us that have wants and needs and desires. And we may pay more attention to one at the moment. It's like, if I'm hungry and I want my dinner, I am not necessarily going to sit down and meditate for the next 10 minutes. I am going to get up and make something to eat. Then I can sit down because I'm not so focused on the fact that my stomach is complaining. And I can pay more. I can enjoy the experience of meditation better kind of thing. Right. You know, and like you said, you have to recognize who needs to be fed right now. Right. And sometimes we get it resoundingly wrong, and that's okay, too. You know, that's because we're human. At least for now, anyway. Well, yes, okay. For today, we're here. Tomorrow, who knows? You know, right this minute. But I think that's a good point to stop, too, when you think about it. You know, take a few minutes today, if you like, and contemplate the idea of that triangle and which one is on the top right this minute. 
and see how it floats throughout your day. That sounds awesome to me. Exactly. So as I like to say, may you have mercy and reverence in all things. Be safe, kind, and be loved. Witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and kinds of energy, and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's Witch Stone Spotlight, we'll be looking at the stone card for Lightning Bolt. Concept stone cards focus on an aspect of the craft rather than a specific physical energy. The Lightning Bolt is the first of eight physical concept stones that relate to the energy of actions or results. It displays a pictograph of a white lightning bolt accented with a red streak down the side, surrounded by a gray and red border. The border being split, gray over red, tells us that this is a concept stone. The border being gray over red, or water over fire, tells us that this card represents a physical concept. Have you ever considered how a lightning bolt is formed? Water vapor evaporates and forms raindrops by condensing and freezing around tiny dust particles floating in the air, where billions form, collect to form a cloud. Within a cloud, these frozen raindrops constantly collide, building up a negative electrical charge. When the charge gets big enough, it is pulled from the cloud down to the positive charges on the Earth, and something ends up struck by lightning. The metaphorical meaning for those of us who are on the path relates to the idea of being suddenly filled with energy, creativity, or just a healthy shaking up of what we previously thought or believed. While the image of a bolt of lightning is obviously projective, the energy is actually receptive. You are taking in energy or lacking energy and drawing it, which obviously needs to be obtained. As it is receptive in this way, its energy is associated with the dark half of the year. The lightning bolt stone card is associated with both the dark new moon, excuse me, with the new dark new moon. The lightning bolt represents creativity and inspiration when reflecting on the element of fire. It represents flow of actions when reflecting on the element of water. The seen energy for the lightning bolt stone card in a reading is change and energy infusion and immediate attention or action needed. Change can be difficult, but it is part of the reality of life and there may be some sort of change ahead. An energy infusion often provides you with what you need to finish a project or push you into considering new ideas. Immediate action or attention needed may mean that there is something we need to focus on or do right away. After all, lightning definitely gets our attention. The unseen energies for the lightning bolt, change, inertia, and need for more energy. Change may be coming, but not as quickly as you think it should or want. Inertia means 
complete lack of movement, and you may need to see why you are stuck. And need for more energy may mean that we need to dig deep to accomplish something, or there may be an area of our life where we need to put some more energy and some extra focus. We have heard from some of our listeners who appreciate what we are talking about in our segments, but are asking for spells or about spells. Can you give me a spell for this or that? I want to be able to fill in the blank here, find love, romance, money, etc. Since you asked, we are adding a small segment to some of our podcasts going forward that we are calling Practical Magic for the Everyday Witch. These are simple spells we use that don't require a lot of ingredients for correspondences or sometimes no ingredients at all. Because we like to be able to use magic to deal with the practical everyday stuff, this is what we have to share. However, the biggest reminder about spellcraft is that the best spells are the ones you create for yourself because they are a part of your own magic. Actually, there are three important components to any spell. Number one is setting your intent. This means that you need to be able to state clearly and precisely what you want your spell to do and how you want it to be done. Number two is ingredients. Any physical items you need to cast your spells, such as candles or herbs, or to act as correspondences, which are representations of something physical that you don't have right in front of you or are trying to come up with or manifest. Finally, number three is some sort of way to raise energy. After all, all spells are powered by energy, and there are a number of different ways to raise this type of energy, including chanting or various movements. We all have times when we need to be able to have two or more very different things work together in order to create or accomplish something in our lives. This spell allows you to keep things and yourself together so that they can work in harmony to meet your needs. A very simple spell starts out obviously with intent, which is I am keeping things together to accomplish what I need. You're only going to need three things to make this spell work. Small pieces of paper, something to write with, and a clothespin. And by that, we mean that old-fashioned wood one that looks kind of like an alley later clip. You're going to sit and think about the items you need to bring together and come up with a couple of words that best describe for you each one and write each of them on separate pieces of paper. For instance, if you're bringing two things together, you'd have two pieces of paper with a couple of words on each. Now, you're going to pick up your clothespin and pin the papers together while saying the following spell chant three times. I am pinning these different things together, creating their very own magical tether. Now just put your clothespin away somewhere safe until your need manifests itself. You can now use that clothespin as well for as part of an ingredient or a correspondence for a larger spell where you're going to bring the things together. Now this is important as well. After your spell is manifested, unpin the items while saying, things are done and I release thee as I will, so mote it be. The idea here is that you also want to get rid of the connection, the magical connection when you're done. You don't need to keep it going forever. And now dispose of the papers as you see fit. Some people put them in the trash, some people burn them, some people put them in water, doesn't matter. 
And here's a note. You can also use those metal binder clips that you can find at any stationery store or in the stationery row at a big box store. But we like the old-fashioned pins because of their association with the grounding element of Earth. So that's all there is to a simple clothespin spell. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is a practice that I've been developing to help me recognize more and more those little coincidences that we all know are synchronicities and indicators of magic in our life. We on the path, and many, many spiritual people in general, have learned over time that there are a lot more synchronicities or magical moments in our life that we've been conditioned to sort of just glaze over and not notice or process as a normal part of our background environment and energy in our lives. At some point in our spiritual growth, we've identified that these little moments and signals are key indicators that the universe is hearing, acting on, and showing us that it is indeed listening. So, the more of these little glitches in the matrix that we are able to see and identify as being magical and point out as a result of our own energy work, then the more that we will see them. And with practice, we can learn to see them in every day, every hour, and even every moment in our spiritual lives. So, how do we practice noticing things? My current exercise practice for this is a little abstract, but it's very simple and very easy. It basically involves teaching myself to look specifically for things that normally don't belong or appear in my mundane life. For example, I know it's not very common to see people dressed or buildings or signs to have certain color combinations just because they don't really work well. Rarely does anybody use harshly contrasting colors like fluorescent seafoam green and dark purple. These are things that we just don't see very often. So when I go out in my day, I'll set in the back of my mind to actively look for and find that color combination. And it may surprise you to know how strongly this works, as I've already seen these combinations today, and I haven't even left my house. And each time that I notice that that specific combination of colors, I ask the universe, what is the content of the message that I'm being shown? What, what is the lesson or the hint or the nudge that I'm feeling? So I'm finding it's a great way to train my brain to start noticing more and more and more of the magic in my life. And I hope this suggestion helps you in your own expanding practices. For now, be safe. Be kind and be loved. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, Young Crones. You can also find us on social media such as Facebook and Twitter. Until then, Until then remember... remember we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. 
We are hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. We are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So, so it be. be.